Welcome to Ghost Riders Anonymous, an inspirational and interactive podcast where we create worlds through words and writing. I'm Kelsey, and today I'd like to know if you were a slice of bacon, what sort of slice of bacon would you be? I would be lightly browned and crispy. So in episode 107, we talked about the short story Quantum by Nick Medina, which is found in the indigenous dark fiction anthology Never Whistle at Night, edited by Shane Hawk and Theodore C. Van Alst Jr. I'm not sure if you can find the short story anywhere else, but the whole anthology is a compilation of various authors. I'm just reading them every once in a while, and so far this is my favorite. I'm not that very far in. But what I did on last week's episode was shared scenes that specifically dealt with a young boy named Sammy that lives on an Indian reservation. Sammy was born in February of 21, you're assuming 2021, and he has a younger half-brother born in December of 2021. They have different fathers. So Sammy, the oldest, Grayson, the youngest. Grayson's father is in the picture. Sammy's father is not. I explain all of that in episode 107, but I just want to give you guys a recap for this episode. We're going to dig a little deeper into it. On episode 107, I stepped away not really sure what this short story was trying to tell me. I thought maybe this was a shapeshifter situation, but what we have here is Sammy has less native blood than his younger brother Grayson, and Grayson is adored by his mother throughout the entire short story, and she's growing to resent Sammy for not having a higher quantum of Indian blood in him. And so Dave, his stepfather, and Amber, his biological mother, throughout the short story are addressing him as the mistake, the mutt. And throughout the short story, he takes on the appearance of a mutt. That's where the shape-shifting aspect was coming into play for me. Leah had messaged me after she'd listened to episode 107, and she said, I think that this is actually a story about nature versus nurture. I hope I'm not mincing her words in this, but I think that is the missing puzzle piece to the whole thing. And I'll explain why in this next excerpt that I'll read on this episode, which gives you a more in-depth, understanding, I hope, of the short story. But Leah's thought is the mother's words of this child being a mistake and a mutt, treating him like a dog by feeding him table scraps. When she and Grayson are out on a stroll to the park, Grayson's in a stroller and Sammy is trotting along behind them like a dog would be. And so he's really not getting the love and the care needed for people to blossom in a healthy manner. There is throughout the book this obsession with Indian blood and having a high quantum of Indian blood. And we see that when Big John, the last of the quote old school Indians or the ancients passes away and Amber is so struck by this. We'll never see another like him. I want Grayson to be raised in the ways of the old tribe because it's in his blood. And that's where the nature aspect comes in, which I'm going to share that now. At this point, we are at Big John's funeral. Sammy, who has the low quantum of Indian blood, is left outside because Amber doesn't believe he belongs in this chapel. It's her way of sort of keeping him out of the culture. Meanwhile, Grayson, Sammy's younger brother, is brought in. Dave, Grayson's father, is presenting him to the elders. And Amber is alone at Big John's casket. Amber stood before the casket and looked down at the man she thought would always be around. 
His flesh was only a shade or two lighter than she remembered, his long hair whiter than ever. Big John, she whispered, one hand landing on top of his, clasped over his chest, heavy and cold. Through his thin old skin, she could feel his knuckles, his bones, his veins. She knew she ought to say a prayer, to wish him well on his voyage from this realm to the next, but the words wouldn't come. All she could think about was how valuable he was. Glancing over her shoulder, Amber saw that the elders were still engrossed in gray, giggling so hard that he gasped for every breath. Her hand, cold now too, rose from Big John's and slipped into the bag dangling at her side. Her fingers curled. Eyes on the biggest, bluest vein on the back of Big John's hand, she quickly pulled the syringe from her purse and stuck the needle into his skin. Miss? Amber startled, stifling a yelp. Her hands went to her mouth. The syringe sagged, the needle still stuck in Big John's flesh. You shouldn't be doing that. Amber turned to find a man with pale skin standing beside her. Dressed in black and white, his hair was combed in a meticulous part. He reached for the syringe and gently removed it. I just, Amber said. Just what? The man asked. I don't want it to go to waste. He raised his eyebrows at her. His blood, she said. It's valuable. There'll never be another drop like it. I'm sorry, he said, but it's already gone. Amber's face puzzled. He's been embalmed, the man explained. It's a common practice. We drain the blood to preserve the body. What do you do with it? We dispose of it. You just throw it away? Lips tight, he nodded. What were you going to do with it? I just thought... She looked over her shoulder again toward the door this time, standing between her and the mistake she wanted to fix. Big John was more Indian than the rest of us. The man offered a half-hearted smile. I suppose it was the blood that made him that way. So what's so interesting about this excerpt is, as I had said, throughout the book, Amber has this obsession with the blood, the blood, the blood. I want both my children to be on the tribal role. Grayson is on the tribal role. I wish Sammy was, but his blood quantum isn't enough. I want him to be as much an Indian as he possibly can. But that's just not how it is. She's putting so much prominence on this blood, and then for this, I'm assuming, funeral director to say, well, we just end up throwing it away anyway, it really cheapens this, this thing that she's been holding so valuable, the blood of her ancestors. And so from there, that poses the question, well, what makes us who we are? And that even comes around at the very end, which I did share the ending in episode 107, but I withheld this one line since I hadn't mentioned the funeral director or this mysterious man. Actually, it is the funeral director. It says that here. Still thinking about what the funeral director had said, Amber picked it up and carried it through the house to the boy's bedroom where she placed it in its crib. Sammy, she said. And from there, Amber takes Grayson's Dreamcatcher to ward off evil, and she puts it above Sammy's crib. And so Leah's thought on that was the real evil was the words that she was casting to Sammy within their own home. You're a mistake. You're a mutt. And you'd think, oh, the Dreamcatcher is supposed to keep outside evil away from your child. But really, the evil was happening within the home. That's where we have this dark domestic scenario rising. But anyway, the whole point in the book of Amber running into Claudia Wolf is to give her this idea of a needle. 
And what I withheld from episode 107 was Claudia Wolf excusing herself to the picnic table when she injects herself with an insulin shot in her haste. She puts her little diabetes kit back in her bag, but it falls out. And so Amber says, oh, hey, Claudia, you dropped this. And as she's handing Claudia her diabetic kit, Amber is slipping the syringe out. So you're left as the reader reaching the conclusion that that's where Amber obtained this syringe to use at Big John's funeral. And another thing that was really interesting about Amber and Claudia's interaction at the park, Amber has Grayson on a swing, Sammy's rolling around in the dirt with Claudia's terrier mix, and Claudia's pregnant. And there's this dialogue that I share in episode 107, where Amber's plowing Claudia with these questions of, is your unborn child going to be on the tribal role? And Claudia is not exactly catching on to her questions. Oh yeah, the role. And then her attention is diverted. And you're thinking it's diverted because she's diabetic and she needs to give herself an insulin shot. But I think also she's not putting as much value on her unborn child being on the tribal role or the quantum of her child's blood as Amber is. Amber even asks Claudia about the father. Is he Indian? And she doesn't really answer it. And so that just makes me as the reader think that Amber's really the only one in this short story that seems to value this the most. And so when we get to the funeral scene, you're thinking, well, was it all for naught? Because as it turns out, your blood when you die is just thrown away. And so for that funeral director to say, I guess it's the blood that made Big John who he is, I'm wondering if he's being a little tongue in cheek about that especially when we're left at the ending with the impression that it's our environment who makes us who we are. It's our upbringing. It's our culture. It's who we surround ourselves with and what we surround ourselves with. I think nature versus nurture is always a fun argument, you know, which one has more say. And so I do agree with Leah that this short story is posing that question to the audience. I still highly recommend reading it from start to finish all the way through so you can pick up every little detail that I have left out. But if you have read it and you want to discuss it, then please email us at gwritersanon at gmail.com. You can start a discussion on our Facebook page, Ghost Writers Anonymous. This has been a very fun journey for me with this short story, and I have read it so many times that you'd think I'd have it down, but I still feel like there's more to it, and that's why I love book discussions so much. I just appreciate how you can have two people read something and take something very different away from it, and Leah, I don't think, has even read the full short story, and already she's more informed than me. What a testament. 